Welcome to another edition of Boilers Extra. I am Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier, flying solo this week. No Mike Carmen, and actually, this is gonna be a pretty quick intro because this is an all-interview episode of the podcast. Uh, first up will be Robbie Hummel, former Purdue basketball player and uh, current three-on-three basketball player for uh, USA Basketball uh, squad that just. Uh, did really well at nationals and something's taken up a, a lot of his summer. So we talked about that. We talked about um, Purdue's run. We talked about Carson Edwards. We talked about new Boilermaker assistant, old slash old Boilermaker assistant, Micah Shrewsbury. So a lot of topics with him. And then uh, also uh, that's going to lead right into an interview with outgoing Purdue senior Ryan Klein. We talked a little bit about, again, that NCAA tournament run, what he expects out of next year's team and, and sort of what what's coming up for him in the future. So um uh, I would say uh, for those of you who are uh, also our, our online readers, uh, keep an eye on the website this week. Uh, follow me on Twitter at InBairedJC. Basically starting Thursday night and then on into early next week, we're going to have a lot of Purdue basketball recruiting coverage. There's an EYBL event here in Indianapolis. Um, there are some uh, announcements that are going to be coming out that it sounds like uh, you know our guys that, um, uh, well, let's just cut to the chase here. Ethan Morton from... Um, from uh, Pittsburgh area is, is making his decision tonight and uh, or announcing his decision tonight. And that's a guy that Purdue has been in on from the beginning. So uh, regardless of his choice, that's going to affect what Purdue does next with the 2020 class. Um, and then, like I said, EYBL event this weekend in Indianapolis has uh, some heavy hitters and um, we'll be bringing you coverage from that. Um, kind of, like I said, sprinkling into early next week. So uh, jconline.com. Follow me on Twitter, at InBairedJC. And uh, as we always say, I usually say at the end of the podcast, but in case you guys uh, don't listen all the way through, um, uh, definitely uh, rate us, review us, download us, subscribe if you can um, through the various links that we put out for this podcast. Um, just trying to grow that audience and get it in, in the ears of as many as people as possible. Um, and and we definitely love to hear from you. Uh, you can DM me. You can email me at InBaird, uh, at jconline.com. And, and if you have questions or if you just have feedback about the podcast and uh, we'll keep trying to bring you interesting stuff, uh, hopefully all through the summer, we're, we're setting up a schedule of, of things that we can do and, and make, keep this regular uh, through the off season. So uh, with that being said, we'll go right into the interviews with a, a couple of former Purdue basketball players. We're joined today on Boilers Extra by former Purdue forward Robbie Hummel, who you guys have all been sort of following here the last couple of years as a, an analyst with um, Big Ten Network and, and some other outlets. And uh, right now he's uh, still playing basketball with the, the USA Basketball 3-on-3 squad that um, recently uh, won at the Red Bull Nationals. And just wanted to kind of catch up with him on, on that and some other topics. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing great. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. You know, first of all, I haven't talked to you since uh, the Big Ten season, I don't think. And you, like everyone else, were sort of watching – that NCAA tournament run that Purdue made this year. Um, just as much as you've you know, tried to probably you know, be impartial through, through your work as an analyst, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a lot of um, nostalgia for you when it comes to watching Purdue. And what was it like watching that NCAA tournament run and I guess especially that, that league game, eight game against Virginia and the, the, the ups and downs of, of a night like that? Yeah, no, I think, you know, you try to be as impartial as you can when you're when you're doing stuff on TV as an analyst, but I, I was really proud of the, the whole group. I, I think just from seeing where they came from in December and where they got to in March, 
it was a huge achievement for the coaching staff, for the players. You could tell they really stuck together. You could tell they really enjoyed playing um, together. They had terrific chemistry. Uh, I thought Ryan Klein against Tennessee had honestly one of the iconic games for Purdue in the NCAA tournament ever. And then you have to talk about Carson. Um, I hate to use the word again, but having an iconic NCAA tournament, you know, you look at a guy that has 42 points twice in an NCAA tournament. That's like, that's not real life. You know, if you have, you have a 20 point game in the NCAA tournament, that's doing something pretty special. So to see the way he scored, to see the way that it all went down and, Honestly, you know, the Virginia game was is it's an elite college basketball game and you the buzz in that arena, you know, you were there. Yeah. Uh, it was special. And unfortunately for Purdue and for us, TA Clark just goes and makes an incredible play for a freshman and you know, throws the perfect pass and Diakite caught it and went right up with it and it's kind of a one in a million play. But I was really proud of the guys and I was really proud of, of you know, the fact that I played at Purdue, and I think that those guys all made any one of us that played or even as a fan of Purdue proud. That pivotal play, as you watch that sort of unfold, so many of the things that happened on that play went right for Purdue, um, except for the end result in a lot of ways. I mean, as as that play was happening, are you thinking – this is, I mean, this is it. This is the play that's going to send them to the Final Four. Yeah, when the ball got tipped to half court, I remember thinking the game's over because I, yeah. I honestly assumed that anyone who grabbed the basketball would not have the presence of mind to make that type of play. I, I thought that he would shoot a half court shot, and I guess you know the chances of him making that would have been equally as slim as the pass and the the play that gets made, or maybe even less, you know, likely to happen. So. Um, I remember thinking that the game was over, and then um, I remember that the shot went in. This sounds very negative, but I remember thinking, my goodness, how are we going to come back from this? Yeah. Uh, just a complete punch to the gut going to overtime. Well, I mean, you've been around Purdue basketball long enough to know that there's a segment of the fan base that feels somewhat uh, snake bit. And, and and that they always kind of feel like the worst thing's going to happen or, or that, that – <laughs> results like that seem to always go against Purdue basketball in their minds. And when you watch that tournament run, especially because maybe it comes from such an unexpected team in some ways. I don't think this was the team of, of the recent teams that people thought might be a final four contender, or maybe not as much of one as, as last season or, or a couple seasons ago when they had Swanigan. Do you, do you look at a run like this and does it give sort of, uh, negativity any more credence or is it almost the opposite you're like well look at how look at how almost uh, random's not the right word but how fortunate you kind of have to be how much luck can be involved and and look at how close even a a, a rebuilding team or or um restocking team however you want to say it can also make these kinds of runs that, that purdue might be on the verge of, of having that breakthrough yeah, I, I would say it's the latter. I, I think I look at it as the Tennessee game could have equally went the other way. You know, mm-hmm. you're a couple made shots there away by Ryan Klein from losing in the Sweet 16. And um, obviously that, that play, it, it stinks. But you talk about being snake but I think Purdue's or our issues over the past 30 years in the NCAA tournament, if you go back to Glenn Robinson, a lot of them have been things that have been outside of people's control. Like, mm-hmm. you can't control the fact that my knee gets blown out, or you can't control the fact that Isaac breaks his elbow, or you, know, you can go on and on with some of these injury deals, but 
In this case, it's decided on the floor. It's a kid just going and making an incredible play. And, you know, we had our chances. We, we could have made a free throw. We could have, you know, there, there's things that happen in the game that I don't think it's snake bitten. I think it's just Virginia was good. Like, and Purdue was good. Um, I think if you ask Purdue fans at the start of the season, would you take an elite eight run and, and a chance to, to go to the final four late in the game where you're right there with a team that honestly looked like a team of destiny at times with the way they won some of these games, I'm guessing that everybody would say, yeah, we'll take that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's the only human nature to want more. And when you're in the moment, you want more. Um, but I think you just have to credit Virginia for the play that they made. And you have to give credit to our guys, too. They played their hearts out. So, obviously, the other thing that teams often find when they're making an NCAA tournament run like this is a, an elite player stepping up and, and maybe playing better than they ever had before. And you can, I think, say that about what Carson Edwards did for those back-to-back-to-back games, you know, starting with Villanova and going forward. And as you assess him now making this jump to the NBA, because you, you, you saw that stuff first person and how special he was for those couple weeks in the NCAA tournament. You also saw him throughout a Big Ten season where – uh, frankly, he struggled. Um, best case scenario, he really struggled to make shots. You could also uh, probably argue that he struggled sometimes with his decision making and, and wasn't playing at his best for for a, a significant stretch of that season. So, as you assess him making this jump, what do you can, can just kind of assess his chances um, of fitting in at, at the next level with you know his size and his skill set and, and what kind of role he could have in the NBA? Yeah, he's got a lot of ability. Um, you know, I think there's some things that he's going to need to re- refine and he's going to have to get used to not being the guy, you know, over the last two, definitely last season at times, the season before, I know he had Dakota, he had Vince, he had Isaac, but he, he at times was kind of the guy on that team as well. Um, you know, when you get drafted, you're not, especially if you get drafted like late in the first round and even some of the second round, early second round teams, you're not going to be the best player on the on the team you know you might not even be the best player in your unit because you're going into a situation where there is so much talent um, on every team so I think that learning how to to be patient and learning how to pick your spots and learning how to play within an NBA culture and setting is going to be an adjustment for him because let's be honest, he had the ultimate green light and he should have because, you know, you look at his talent and you look at his ability to take over games. Um, But, you know, I think at least when I was in the NBA, the toughest thing for me was, and and his role is going to be different than mine, but I was pretty much designated to stand the corner and shoot when the ball came to me. And there's times where you don't get to necessarily massage the ball a whole lot, but Mm -hmm. You look at who else is on my team, Kevin Love, is. he should be touching the ball. He's really good. Kevin Martin, yeah. he's really, really – you know, those guys can really score. They can make plays. And my job was to be in the corner, sp- spread the defense, and when the ball came to me, shoot it. So I think adjusting to your new role, but also adjusting to life as a professional. Um, there, No one's going to be there to say, hey, you have to go lift weights. For our team in Minnesota, you had to lift eight times – a month and if you didn't do it they just fine you and some guy just would take the fine every month they didn't like to lift <laughs> so I think, which is hilarious yeah. kinds of lunch is like not a lot at all no uh, but just in terms of injury prevention understanding your body knowing what you need to do 
Uh, if you're not playing, getting an extra cardio work so that when you do get put into the situation, you're not completely gassed. Um, developing good practice habits. There's a lot that goes into it. But with that being said, I think you look at it from a role perspective. If I was Carson Edwards, I would look at Lou Williams. And, and I know he's a little bit smaller than Lou, but I'd be like, to me, that should be my goal. I, I want to be a guy that at least initially starts out as a second-unit guy and can come in and be a complete game-changer scoring the basketball. And I, I think when you look at guys that that are in that second unit, the level of talent from the first, from the starting five to the second unit, the bench unit on a lot of these teams, it's a lot different. You know, there, there's a there's a major talent drop-off for a lot of the teams in the NBA from the starters to the second second unit. So I would say for, the, for him, look at Lou Williams, study him, and try to be a guy that can really come in as a game changer off the bench initially. I imagine you were not one of the guys taking the fine as opposed to you know, getting there. Well, if I don't lift, I like I, I lose muscle at like a ridiculous rate. Like I'll become <laughs> so skinny. So I I'd lift probably five or six times a week. But yeah, some guys would be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Just wow. find me. Uh, well, so Carson Edwards is one of the departures for Purdue basketball this year. Micah Shrewsbury. Uh, it should be announced any any moment now, but it's been one of the worst kept secrets in college basketball. Um, he's coming back to to join Matt Painter's staff. You were with him for that your your fifth season at Purdue, your senior season at Purdue. Uh, just kind of what what did he bring to that mix, and and how did he make that team better? Well, well, first of all, he's a great guy. I think that that can't be understated enough. Is he's a great person, great family man. Um, and that's before you talk about the fact that he's a really good coach and a really great offensive mind. He he brought a lot of new ideas over from Butler, and we kind of changed up the way we did things. Uh, my senior year, we lost Etwan and Juwan to the to the NBA um, and to graduation, so we had to figure out some ways on how to score without those guys. And I thought his stuff that he brought over was really effective and really good. Um, now you look at it, he's been with the Celtics the last five years, um, anytime you see different concepts, different ideas, the NBA is kind of a different game in a lot of respects. So I, I think that it'll have grown exponentially, and now you bring him back, and I think it's a great hire. I have to say this is a home run hire for Coach Banner. Well, you uh, retired from, I guess, conventional professional basketball a couple of years ago, but you you stayed active and you're – you're still playing with USA Basketball. Can you kind of tell us more about um, the, the league that you're playing in and, and what that's, how that's helped you stay, I guess, active and stay in the game here in, in the last couple of years? Yeah, no, I, I was really fortunate. You might remember, uh, it was a long time ago now, so maybe not, but Craig Moore was a junior at Northwestern my freshman year. And so I played against Craig for two years. We became friends just from playing. And he was in Chicago a lot. Um and I was, I've been in Chicago. I live in Chicago now, and I've been here the last five or six years. And Craig kind of convinced me, and he's trying to convince me to actually keep playing five-on-five overseas. And I was like, you know, I, I hate every day. I, I don't enjoy it. It doesn't mean as much to me. I grew up watching the NBA, and if I'm not going to be an NBA player, I don't care to play anymore. I'll do something else. <laughs> and I actually had a good season in Russia my last year. I averaged like 11 points a game, I want to say, and shot over 45% from three. Um, so I didn't play bad. I, I had some offers to go back, but I just I couldn't bring myself to do it after the season I had in Moscow. Um, so Craig 
you know, gave up on trying to convince him to play five on five and said, well, if you're not going to play, play three on three with us. And it took some convincing. You know, it's one of those deals where last year we played in Shanghai, Seoul, Beijing. Uh, we played in India. We were in Amsterdam, Italy, Malaysia, Mexico City, uh, Puerto Rico. So I, it's it's all over the world, and it's like for a weekend. So you could fly to Seoul, which is like a 13-hour flight, and you could play legitimately two games if you don't make it out of your pool. You could play for 20 minutes and then go and go <laughs> home. So I was like, you're telling me that somebody's, you know, paying for us to do this, and and we could play 20 minutes of basketball. And if we even if we win, we play 50. You play five games. You'd play two pool games, and you'd play the quarters, the semis, and the finals on Sunday. And he was pretty much like, yep, that's what I'm saying. And they convinced me to go to Seoul for the first tournament. And honestly, it's been really good. And now with the Olympic stuff happening in 2020, winning the Nationals uh, this weekend in Vegas, that was a, a great accomplishment for our team. And actually, the cool thing about it was you know, they, they brought in 15 G League guys, and the competition I thought – from this year to last year was really ramped up. But even with that being said, we had two teams entered in the tournament. There were six guys in our team, so we split into two, and both of our teams made the final. So that, that oh, was okay. a cool accomplishment. Um, but, yeah, I, I was in Nanjing, China three weeks ago. Um, I have, I've, I've been home like zero. <laughs> I haven't been home at all. And then I was in Vegas uh, last week. And it looks like coming up before the end of the month, there's a chance I could play in Belgrade and in China again, so we'll see. Wow. Is this a a money-making enterprise for someone, or is this about USA Basketball um, trying to find using yourself and other, this team as, like, ambassadors for basketball? Because you're talking about maybe some markets. You, you mentioned places like India. I, I imagine those are places where they'd love to grow basketball, um, uh, grow interest in the game just because there's a, a huge untapped market there. Well, it's a little bit of both. I, I, our team did – pretty well last year we ended up finishing sixth in the world um now we split our profits six ways um because there's six guys in the team but no it was a it was a good a nice little chunk of money um and you talk i think the usa basketball aspect of it um the olympics are, are coming and it's an olympic sport in 2020 so that's a very attractive um reason to play as well i'm not sure about if usa basketball is as a as is concerned about growing the game in countries like India or China, um, since they're trying to beat those countries. Um, yeah. But like yeah. you look at like something that Brian Cardinal is doing, where he's got the NBA academies in India and China. And I think three and three is is a game that can really help because you don't have to field as many guys and you can play on a half court. Um, you know, it's India. I'm not sure if it's growing as fast, but like in China, three and three is huge. Like, we played in this tournament I was talking about a couple weeks ago in Nanjing, and, you know, we Sunday it was rainy and there was a tent to cover the court, but the fans sat out in the rain and sat out these rain delays that we had because the tent was leaking. So um, they were getting poured on, and I was like, why are these people staying? Like, it's not like Kevin Durant's out here playing, but they love basketball, so – um, the crowds you get in some of these tournaments overseas are pretty cool. It doesn't compare to playing in like a Mackey or Assembly Hall or an NBA game, but it's the next best thing. So I, I think that's what guys talk about when they retire. It's something that you just don't get. You don't get adrenaline rushes from, from playing. Um, 
whether you're broadcasting or doing whatever, that's something you just kind of lose out on. And, and again, like I said, this isn't as good, but it, it's it's the next best deal you can have. Well, safe travels wherever you end up next uh, on your uh, as you're as you're hopping the globe with this team, and um, we will probably, I guess, see you on the air somewhere this coming season. Yeah, no, that's the plan. That's the plan. It has to be figured out still. Um, I, I'm a so I guess quote unquote free agent um, <laughs> of TV currently. My contract is up for both ESPN and Big Ten Network, but uh, no, I, I really enjoy doing TV. I really enjoy doing games and even the studio stuff. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to year three of that. We People I talk to have been really positive about what, what you've done on the area, whether it's a studio host, whether that's the, the in-game analyst stuff. Do you, do you feel like you you found a niche here that, that is something you could do for the long term? Yeah, I think so. I think everybody that I've talked to has been really positive. My agent's been really positive. Um, you know, things have gone as, about as well as I could have hoped, I think. And I, it's just, you know, continuing to get reps, continuing to get more and more comfortable um, doing games. But I, I feel like I've gotten it down to kind of a science of how I prepare at this point. And, you know, I, I thought I had a, a really good season. Um, I'm looking forward to, to doing more. I think it's just about continuing to get better. Whether Like, it's the same as playing. You know, I think as a player, my goal was always to keep getting better, keep working on things, um, continue to develop your, your skills. And it's no different for broadcasting. So I'm looking forward to, to getting to do that and seeing what year three holds. Well, thanks a lot, Robbie. I appreciate you uh, taking some time to join us today. Yeah, of course, Nate. Good talking to you. We are joined today on Boilers Extra by Ryan Klein, outgoing Purdue basketball senior and um, one of the, the heroes of the NCAA tournament run this season. And uh kind of wanted to start there, Ryan, um, you know, Matt Painter a couple of weeks ago, I think he was on a radio show and talked about how he has not yet been able to go back and watch that Virginia game. Um, how, how have you, have you, have you, is that something you've been able to, to go back and um, take in yet? Or is that something you, you're still avoiding? Yeah, I'm uh I'm kind of in the same boat as coach paint um, as regards to the, uh, to the Virginia game. It's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's something that, um, it was it was tough to get out of bed, you know, the next couple of days just because, you know, there, there are a lot of what ifs that everyone was talking about, and you know, what if this happened, what if that happened. But hey, um, Virginia is a very good team, obviously. You know, win the national championship, and um, I'm happy for them. But you know, it's just it just stinks. You know, I, I thought we I thought we had a chance to to really make that Final Four run, and you know, it just came down a couple of possessions, but it just didn't didn't pan out our way. Is it better or worse when that team then goes on and wins a national championship as far as how you feel about it in the long run? See, that's I think that's a great question just because you, know, <laughs> you lost to the national championship uh, championship team, but it's just it's so tough just because you think that you could have been in that exact same scenario and you could have been in the position that they're in. You know, one of the worst parts of – our jobs, uh, us as reporters, journalists, we, we when we have to go into those locker rooms after the last loss of the year, especially a loss like that that is um, just so emotional and so uh, kind of frantic and and a tough loss for a team um, to, to end their season on. And and you were taking it pretty tough after the game, and, and Grady was taking it pretty tough after the game. A lot of guys were. Um, has time helped you process at all either what happened in that game or to put it in the context of all the things that that team, that your team, that your class accomplished over four years or just even this season? 
it's more of, you know, looking at the bright side of things. I mean, a lot of really no one expected us to be in that position and to be able to make that run that we did. Um, you know, when when we were in uh when we were in last December, you know, everyone kind of had that had that idea of us, you know, not being able to make it that far and you got to look back and and just and really be grateful for the accomplishments that we had and um I I thought it was an incredible run and, and something that I'm I'm uh, going to remember for the rest of my life. So I can understand not going back and watching the Virginia game. Have you gone back and watched the Tennessee game? And if so, how many times now? Um, I, I watched it once, actually, okay. with, my, uh, with, with, with my girlfriend's family. Um, I, I watched, like, some parts of it. I, I kind of got up and um, and went to get a couple of glasses of water and, you know, just, just, just kind of think about how, how really cool that was. But, um, you know, it's just it's, – it's still tough to watch. I think, you know, give me a couple more months and – um, I, I'll be able to watch, you know, every single game in that tournament. But a lot of people forget about that that Villanova game. I, I thought that was yeah. something, you know, incredible that that we got to beat, you know, the the national champs. And you know, a lot of people don't remember that. Well, the Tennessee game, I, I obviously brought that up just more specifically for you because that uh, that stands out as, um, I mean, I, I'd have to imagine above all other games in your career as far as just your individual performance in a lot of ways. When you were rewatching that, did it? Re-remembering things, did it? Does it feel kind of like an out-of-body experience as you're watching it again? Uh, how, how does that feel? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it was something that was obviously, you know, extraordinary for me, and um, it's something that that I'll remember for the rest of my life. But um, it, it's just, it, it's still tough, you know. Um, that was that was obviously an incredible game, but uh, I, I would have liked to have seen where we could have gone if we would have, you know, made a couple more bucks. Is there any one accomplishment that stands out from a team standpoint from these four years? Like, well, what are you the most proud of that Purdue was able to accomplish in your time there? Well, I'm I'm most proud of the uh, the, the run that we made this year and uh, the Big Ten, Big Ten championship that we won just because really no one expected us to do it. Everyone said, you know, this is going to be a rebuilding year. Um, you really don't know what to expect from from a team like this. That's uh, that's six and five in December, and you know after we won a couple, or I think the game against uh, Wisconsin on the road, I I think uh, a flip a flip kind of switched um, in, in our in our minds as a team, and we really realized that that we can really do this. A couple of the guys that you've been closer with over the course of your career, uh, PJ Thompson, Grady Eifert, they're going to still be with the program, or I guess PJ is coming back to the program to serve as grad assistants the next couple of years. What kind of coaches do you think those guys are going to be? Oh, I think they're going to be great. Um, they're definitely going to be able to connect with the players. Obviously, you know, PJ going back and being able to coach his brother, I think that's something really special. I think that's going to be something special for, for not just PJ and, and Isaiah, but for, for the Thompson family as a whole. But, um, I, I mean, everyone respects Grady Eifert and, and what he did, you know, coming up from, from being a uh, – a walk-on and, and then a starter on a Big Ten championship team and an, and an elite eight team. So that's obviously something special in itself. And, and you have to respect a guy that, that works that hard and, and has been through the program. When you look ahead to next year's team, you, you, people have already started kind of breaking things down and saying, well, you know, they're losing, obviously, Carson Edwards. They're losing Ryan Klein and all the scoring that you guys provided, all the shooting you guys provided – how do you when you look at next year's roster, what you know about who's coming back, what you know about the guys coming in, how do you sort of see this playing out and in a, in a team kind of answering some of those questions? Yeah, it's uh it's gonna be something that, that's decided, 
you know, from the from the younger guys. I, I think there are a lot of guys that are hungry and and they're ready to get better individually, but uh, they're going to have to come together as a team and and realize that they can accomplish a lot when they all work together and and uh, play hard. I remember talking to you uh, back in the middle of the season. I think you had just gotten a, a big uh, set of golf clubs from your brother, right, for Christmas. Have you had a chance to, to use those? What's kind of the off season been like for you so far as you're deciding what comes next? Yeah, um, I, I'm actually heading out here to play golf with my dad right now, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to get home and spend a little bit of time with family and, you know, just just uh, realize that, you know, it, it's not all about, about basketball. you you got to come home and, and – um, Hang out with the ones that supported you all season, and they were they were by my side the entire time. You know, highs and lows, and I'm excited to, to come back and relax a little bit. Is, is graduation coming up this weekend? Yeah, my graduation is Friday, so you know I got what two or three days until until then. So gotta get up there, and I'm I'm excited. My whole family's coming, and it's gonna be a pretty special moment. Thanks a lot, Ryan. We appreciate you taking some time to join us today, and then best of luck with uh, whatever comes next. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Rob and Ryan, and thanks to all of you for joining us again this week on Boilers Extra. We'll be back with another episode next week. As always, uh, like I said, you can follow me on Twitter, at InBairedJC. Follow Mike Carmen also on Twitter, what the heck, uh, at Carmen underscore JC. Um, we'll be keeping you up with uh, Purdue basketball and Purdue football news and notes as the offseason progresses. And uh, like I said, come back to jconline.com uh, all through going into next week because there's definitely going to be some more uh, Purdue basketball recruiting-related things. And uh, just, just the news and notes that keep popping up through the offseason. I'll also be up at the NBA Draft Combine next week, hopefully getting an update on how things are going with Carson Edwards. Obviously, for those of you who follow the mock drafts, um, for as much value as there might be in those, I don't know. But um, he's been pretty consistently a, a in the 20s, uh, you know, a low first-round pick. And uh, that would obviously be big for him just in terms of um, going into the league with some stability. So, um, like I said, follow us at, at JC Online and uh, tell your friends about Boilers Extra. We'll be back with you next week.